Well, good afternoon, good morning, and good evening, whatever time of the day it is you're listening to this program. Welcome to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. And uh, you know what? As I said in my preview podcast about this game, because I know some of you out there can't wait to hear from me and maybe even expect me to eat a little crow. Not eating any crow. You guys know I was hoping I was wrong. But I'm always going to give you my take. And yes, I had the Eagles losing to the Dolphins uh, in a high-scoring, you know, affair. The Eagles reached 30, but the Dolphins didn't. And that's where I'm going to start this podcast because isn't it fitting that when the Eagles break out their Kelly Greens for the first time since the mid-90s, I think it was the late 90s when they uh, made the switch to the new uniforms. It was like 97 or something like that. Don't quote me on it. It was late nine, mid in the late 90s. I don't know exactly what the year it was. But what do you remember about the Kelly Green? Those of us that were around for the Kelly Green years, which makes this color so special to us and able to reminisce and has holds such nostalgia, is their defense. The Buddy Ryan defenses, right? The Bud Carson defenses. The dominance of Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons, Seth Joyner, Eric Allen, Wes Hopkins, Andre Waters, and the rest that made up just one of the greatest defenses to ever watch. It was a just awesome to see them destroy offenses. And those defenses were all in the Kelly Green years. Randall Cunningham, you know, if you want to go offense. Mike Quick. You know, so it was great to see them out there. And we'll talk a little bit more later in the show if I don't forget to talk about it. It, it, You know, if I do, then I'll talk about it on a later podcast this week, but. You know, we'll talk more about the Kelly Green um, and what I what I feel about it going forward. Because you know, obviously there's a lot of people saying, oh, you know, the Eagles should just, you know, ditch their uniforms they wear now and go back and wear the Kelly Greens all the time. Listen, it is the best Eagles uniform. It is. But I'll just say this. There's no more nostalgia like special events like tonight when you get to see them out there. That would all be gone. And it's not like the new Eagles uniforms are bad. They're not bad. I like the new logo. It's not a new logo anymore, but I like the current logo. I should put it that way. Um, Always like that bird. And I like the old bird with the wings carrying a football. The field looked awesome. Props to everybody at the vet. I mean, at the... <laughs> See, I'm thinking Kelly Green. I'm thinking the vet. That's the other thing about the Kelly Green Veteran Stadium, right? But props to everyone at the Lincoln Financial, the grounds crew and everything. That field looked, I mean, 10 out of 10. So congrats to them. That field looked awesome. The link looked great. The Kelly Green was vibrant. And the Eagles' defense, this is what I was trying to say in my little prelude here. The defense today against the what's been the most formidable, best offense in the league by far. It's not even really close, the Dolphins, so far through, you know, 
the uh, almost halfway through the season. It's basically been unstoppable for anyone that's played them outside of the Bills. Did a pretty good job against them. But the Eagles even did a better job than the Bills because the Eagles gave them 10 points on both of Hertz's turnovers. The first fumble that they recovered, you know, gave them the ball just outside of the red zone. So that was three points that the Eagles gave them. Can't hold that against the defense. In fact, the defense did a good job keeping them out of the end zone. But there's three points that uh, shouldn't have been on the board. And then, of course, the pick six. That was not against the defense either. So when you think about it, I mean, not just when you think about it, factually, this Eagles defense gave up one touchdown. One touchdown. Seven points to the Miami Dolphins. Outstanding. I didn't see that coming. That's why I had the Eagles losing. Period. Stop. I didn't see that happening. I didn't see this kind of performance. But I did say during my keys to the game that the way that the Eagles would win this game is they would have to get to Tua. They would have to sack Tua. And it would be a challenge to do that because he gets rid of the ball so fast. But the Eagles had at least three sacks, maybe more. I'm waiting to get the um, – I have the offensive stats. The game just ended. You know, I'm trying to get these uh, post games up sooner than normal because uh, sometimes I wait even to the following day. But all I have right now, the Eagles have only posted the offensive stats, so I don't have any uh, defense. But I know they had at least three sacks, maybe more. I, I think probably, probably four or five is, is what I think they ended up with. But I don't – again, that's not official. That's, that's just me guessing. I know they had at least three, but I believe they have maybe five before that was all said and done. But anyway, the point is, they did get to Tua. And even though they did get to him and was in his face almost the entire game, he still got the ball off fast and still made plays downfield. And that's because Tyreek Hill is just uncoverable. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He's the league's most dangerous weapon. You just can't cover that guy. He is that good. He should have had two touchdowns. The Eagles got a break when... um, you know, he dropped that ball going over the middle just outside the five-yard line when he, you know, made the catch on that quick slant, was trying to carry it into the end zone, bring it in, and he kind of ended up hitting his knee, and then it ricocheted into the end zone. But it was that next series of downs later where the Eagles got the ball back, and, you know, there was the pick six against the defense. So I guess you could probably say maybe they gave up two touchdowns. I mean, Hill was going to score in that play. But – the bottom line is they sh- basically shut down that Miami defense. All right, you want you don't want me to say they only gave up four, seven points. You want to say fourteen? Okay, so they gave up maybe fourteen of the seven of the seventeen points. The bottom line is they held the Dolphins under twenty points. That if I knew that going in, if they knew they were going to have this kind of a defensive performance tonight, of course I wouldn't have picked the Eagles to lose. And I knew it was going to be a close game. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on me predicting them to lose because ultimately, when you look at my season prediction, I had them at this point in the season at 6-1. and one. That's the bottom line. They just ended up winning, losing the Jets game versus the Dolphins game. So right now, I am right on schedule with their uh, with the season record. But an amazing performance by the defense, and I don't want that to be understated. It gives me a lot of hope because the defense, it's always been good up front. It's always been good up front, but this, but today the secondary 
Now, listen, again, Hill, you can't cover him anyway. So, you know, he's going to beat any cornerback. He's going to beat any double coverage. That's just how good that guy is. So I'm looking at the overall picture. Now, Waddle was dinged up too. So maybe we didn't get the full throttle Miami Dolphins offense in this game. They're banged up on the offensive line. This team, the Dolphins are going to be damn good, and we may see them again down the road if both teams make it to the promised land. I can see the Dolphins being the AFC representative easily because think about this when you talk about the Dolphins. Their line is not all that great, but they're, you know, they're right now they're playing some backups on the line. So you, you know, would think if their starters come back, and I don't know the injury status of all their starters, how long they're going to be out or whatever, but let's just say that they get a little healthier in the offensive line. They're going to get that, that uh, running back back that's, lit the world on fire. The Eagles didn't play him tonight, so they kind of got a break there for sure. Their two starting cornerbacks were out tonight, Um, Howard and, of course, Jalen Ramsey, who's going to be coming back. So just think about those pieces that Miami will be adding this season. Jalen Ramsey will be coming. He hasn't played all year, and Howard will be back from his groin injury at some point. The Eagles didn't face either one of them today. And, you know, the running back. Now, Mozart's a good back, so the fact that they shut him down, I don't think that other guy would have had been all that great against the Eagles' defense either tonight. And I'm sorry, I'm just calling him the other guy. I forget his, I forget the, uh, I forget his name, but you guys all know what I'm talking about. And I don't really feel like looking him up, quite honestly. Um, but, uh, you know. The, my point is that the Dolphins are going to be a heck of a lot better later in the season. And they can easily knock off the Chiefs. They can easily beat the Bengals or the Bills. I know they lost to the Bills. But the Bills just lost to the Patriots today. You know, this is why every single game, every single win that you get, you take. It doesn't matter how you win. Jalen says all the time, the winning is the most important thing. He's 100% right. And we're going to talk about Jalen because he had another up and down performance. Probably more ups than downs, but we'll get to him in a minute. But the Eagles, when I said that they lost to the, you know, they lost to the Jets last week, that the Eagles needed them to have a makeup game. And for me, having them predicting before the season even started that they were going to lose this game and then predicting again, during my preview podcast earlier this week, that they were going to lose this game. Um, there's, they've already made it up. They've already made up the one one of the games that I thought that they would lose this year. So, because again, I had them beating the Jets. So they're right at the six and one mark right now, which is what I had them at at this point in the season during my preseason prediction. So, let's go to the beginning of the game here, okay? Because I had major problems. I was already almost screaming at the television already early in this game. Because I'm like, this is more of the same. And it was I was starting to get super frustrated, not even five minutes into this game. Because the Eagles, once again, did a great job of marching down. Once they got into the red zone, what were the calls? Two Hertz keepers, which I've been talking about the last couple of weeks. I hope that they throw that freaking play in the trash with gasoline and fire. I said that last 
podcast or one of them, the last two podcasts. I don't know if it was the exact last one, but maybe it was. That's what I said. But they did it. Then they ran a stupid keeper two more times in the red zone. And then what they do on the third play? They run it to Gainwell. All three plays went nowhere, and the Eagles had to kick a field goal. I was making calls for Brian Johnson to be immediately fired as offensive coordinator at that point. I am so sick and tired of the Jalen Hurts keepers in the red zone and Gainwell being in the red zone. They're a red zone. Now, Gainwell later scored in this game, as we know. He scored the uh, last touchdown of the game that kind of put this game, you know, nail in the coffin, touchdown. Good run by him, too. Good run. But I don't. I still don't want him in the red zone all the time. And I don't know why the Eagles continue to just make him the red zone running back. It's a bad decision. It's not working. I, I want to see more Boston Scott in there, and I want to see Swift in there. You could still mix in Gainwell. I have no problem with it. It's not like he's a terrible back. It just he helps stall this offense in the red zone. I've seen it way too many times. He finally scored late in this game today. And it was a great run. He was almost stopped again, but he did make a great run. It was a great effort run. Kudos to him for that. I don't want to sit there and just – I just think it's it's not Gainwell's fault, really. He has some limitations as to how good he is. It's the coaching, and it's the, it's the play calling. That's the issues that I have. That's the issues. Now – their first touchdown of the game, I also mentioned this in the last podcast. What did I say about the screen game? <laughs> this was like, man, are the Eagles like listening to Philadelphia Eagles talk with Jeff? Because I talked about how this team should be way better on the screens. They have, I talked about, you know, they have two of the offensive linemen. That have been there when they were running screens. They were one of the best screen running teams in the league. And that's Lane Johnson and Kelsey. Like, what, they suddenly forget how to run the screen? Of course not. I'm like, what's, so what's the problem? I said they needed to practice that play more because it can work. It, they can definitely work it. They got Swift, who's great out of the backfield, and got her. And... You know, and they also have the other, and I was talking about how the other guys that they have now they didn't have when they were running screens back really well back in the day. They have Mylotta and, you know, Landon, John, Landon Dickerson. Both guys are mobile. Even Jurgens, when he comes back, he's a mobile guy to get downfield. Like, there's no reason that they can't run and execute screen plays, but they've been horrible at it. Horrible. Well, the first touchdown today, a perfectly executed screen to Goddard with Mylotta leading blocking downfield. Perfect time, perfectly timed. The issue has really been timing on the screens. And um, this one, it's like they've been working on it all week. So if, if uh, Sirianni or any of the coaching staff has been listening to Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles talk with Jeff and you guys want to work on a screen game this week, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you. Because it, it look, that's the way it should look. This should be a very good screen team. So I hope they incorporate that more into their offense going forward um, this season. And get rid of the red zone keepers to Hurts. 
I am sick and tired of that play. It's not going anywhere. All right. More on Hurts. So, I grade his performance today as a B minus. So it was kind of like in a C plus B minus category. He had an okay game. Maybe a little bit better than an okay game. The reason why I'll give him a little bit of a bounce into the okay, into the B category versus C, because the things we always say about Hertz, or at least I always say about Hertz, that you like, that's one of his highest and best qualities that you want in your quarterback, in your team leader, and especially your quarterback. That's such a plays such a huge role on your on your team. And that is his composure, his leadership, and his ability to not let things rattle him. And there are times when he does leave the pocket a little soon and he gets those kind of, you know, happy feet and leaves the pocket too soon. I don't necessarily consider that being rattled. I think it's more of just him being more habitual doing that than him being like scared or whatever. I don't think Hertz gets scared of anything, honestly. And that's what you like about him. And here's a guy that has had two crucial big-time turnovers. Uh, one last week that ended up was the reason why the Eagles lost. I said, I pinned that on Hertz last week. Now, the Eagles didn't play well last week, but Hertz was the reason the Eagles lost that game. Um, and I told you it was because of those two plays, especially the turnover play, that you just can't make. You can't make that throw for the pick six that he made last week. Can't make it. Dumb decision. Can't make it. And then when they had a chance to, you know, put him in a, in a position to potentially, you know, come back in a game, he made that long bomb play to uh, Devontae Smith and decided to throw it, you know, heave it 40 yards down the field uh, in double coverage versus just trying to play for the first down. Another dumb, dumb play, just a play you can't make. You can't do that. Now, today... So he's coming into this game with that already on his shoulders. Because you know you hear that in Philly. You know, obviously, this is not an easy town, city to play for. Um, and I'm I'm happy like that. That's why it's, I've always worn that with like a badge of honor. I'm glad the Eagle fans are hard on the players. It's just the passion that we have. We don't want to be hard on our players. It's, it's just a tough love, you know. It's just what it is. And Eagle fans get a bad rap sometimes. They just think we're, you know, too hard. Or we're just, you know, we're not. We love our players. But we also hold them high and we hold them accountable. And not that Hertz doesn't hold himself accountable. That's the thing either. He, he does, unlike Wentz. Hertz does. And Hertz doesn't get rattled like Wentz. And I don't even know why I'm bringing up Wentz's name because I'm not talking about Wentz. But getting back to Hertz today, he made another... You know, he had a fumble. No no real necessarily bad decisions today, although the interception pick six, I kind of think was a bad decision. Um, wasn't nearly as bad as the one against the Jets. <laughs> that's on a different – that's a totally different level. But to me, on that play, you see the guy jumping up, you know, and blocking where he's trying to throw the ball. Just don't throw it. Throw it to someone else. Go to your second read or just get rid of the ball or whatever, or run, whatever. Whatever you got to do, you know, so you don't increase the chance of being some kind of crazy, unlucky bounce or deflection that gets picked. That's my issue with that decision there. 
Um, but really, ultimately, it's it's not at the level of his bad decision last week. It's just to me, it's just like, dude, if you got somebody in your face, and you know, you can't get the ball to him or it's going to be very hard to get the ball to him. Then just, you know, throw it somewhere else. Go to your second read or run the ball, you know, but he tried to force it through the guy and it gets deflected. And then the other uh, running back picks it off and runs it in for, for a touchdown. Just another, you know, so at that point in the game, Hertz had two turnovers. He fumbled the ball, which gave him the field goal earlier in the game. And then he had that turnover. A lot of quarterbacks, a.k.a. Carson Wentz, crumble under that. It's two games in a row, crucial turnovers. They're just not able to recover. Hurts? You really think it never happened. Like, he just goes he just goes about his business. No reaction. Doesn't get frustrated. I'm sure he is frustrated, but he doesn't show it. He's not happy he's throwing picks and losing the ball in fumbles. We know that. He's a major competitor. He just, he just, he just, he's got the best poker face in the world. He really does. If he was a poker player, Jalen Hurts would be lethal. You would have never have any idea what the hell he has in his hands. The best poker readers or guys who can read poker, you know, think they can read poker faces or read hands, they would have no shot if Jalen Hurts ever decided to become a poker player. It's just impossible. And that's what you like about him. So he remained composed and came back and made some some big-time throws in this game. He was also banged up. There's no doubt in this game early on, Hurts got hurt. I don't know when it happened. I think it had to be prior to him, unless he pulled something on that scramble to the left um, when he ended up running out of bounds. But he was definitely gimpy there, and I think it probably happened earlier in the game. But I'd have to rewatch the game before to like, really figure out where that injury happened. Or he came into the game gimpy. I, I don't know. Maybe he's been nursing an injury. I, I'm not sure. But he definitely it's definitely a leg injury of some kind. But you're probably not going to find anything out from the Eagles because you know how they hold everything close to the vest. Um, you know. In fact, uh, you saw those of you who watched the game, which I'm assuming is everybody, you heard them come back from the halftime show where the commentator said that they asked Ariani, how's Hurts feeling or how's he doing? And what's Sirianni's comment? He's doing great. He has total control of the game. That's what they. That's what the announced. That's what the reporter said. That that Sirianni's comment was. Didn't even acknowledge an injury, and just said Hurts is playing great, and he's got total control of the game. That was the answer to Jalen's, uh, the inquiry on Jalen's injury. I mean, that's Sirianni. He's not going to give you anything on injuries. We know how he is. Even we know, even we have players in the locker room during the week say, yeah, I'm playing this week. I feel great. When they ask Sirianni at the press conferences during the week, he still doesn't say, you know, their decision needs to be made on if he's playing or not, or or he'll give you any of those kind of lines, you know, or we don't know yet. We'll give you an update later in the week. And he never gives an update later in the week. It's always the same answer. And that's, that is intentional, if you haven't picked up on that by now. Sirianni doesn't give him anything any of that injury-type-related information. So he knew Hertz was injured, and he knew that also he wasn't going to give uh, NBC any inkling as to why or where he was hurt. Um, the brotherly shove. This is really starting to become almost comical because I watch a lot of football. I have the red zone, checking it out today especially. There had to be a handful of other teams that I saw, five or six, maybe more, 
other teams that went for the fourth and one, you know, the shove play that are starting to try to incorporate that into their offense. Some of them made it barely. I mean, barely, <laughs> you know, they got diverse and some others didn't make it at all. They got stopped. The Eagles almost get two yards on that play every single time, every single time. And tonight they did it four times on fourth down. They don't always do it on fourth down. Sometimes they do it on third down, as you know. But fourth down, they did fourth. They went four for four. Four times they tried it. Four times they made it. Now, the big play, the big decision by Sirianni, which I was like, man, you should just go for it. They haven't been able to stop it the whole game. And Sirianni initially was going to punt it. You guys remember this in the fourth quarter, I think it was. Um, yeah, I think it was during that long drive. It was the early part of that long drive. That's what it was. Yeah, so it wasn't the fourth quarter. That long drive they ended up scoring a touchdown on with Gainwell that they ate up like seven minutes of clock. It was early on when the Dolphins had them stopped like at their 35, their own 35, 36-yard line. And they were a yard, yard and a half, almost two yards short. It was one of the longer ones that they needed to make. And Sarah initially called uh, for the punt team to come on. He was going to kick it, and then they called timeout. Once he called a timeout, I knew he was changing his mind, me personally. I knew that's the whole reason why he called a timeout. And he did. That's exactly what he did. He changed his mind, and he went for it with the uh, brotherly shove, and Hurts made it. And he did it two or three more times on that one drive. And it's just becoming comical because you cannot stop it with the Eagles. You have other chances against other teams. You got a 50-50 shot probably with other teams of stopping it. With the Eagles, it's like 95% chance they're gonna, the Eagles are going to make it. And, um, yeah, it was it was a, obviously a great bold call by Sirianni because – you know, Collinsville, I don't, you know, there's a lot of hate with Collinsville, too. I, I don't understand the hate with Collinsville. That might, I'll save that for another show down the road. I don't even know if it's worth talking about it. But he gets a lot of hate from Eagles fans, and I don't really understand why that is. But he made a good point during the game about how great a call that was by Sirianni. Because had they not made it, he would have taken, you know, give the Dolphins the highest scoring team in the league the in a close 17-17 score at the time, giving the Dolphins the ball at the their, you know, at the Eagles 36-yard line, that could have been absolutely major, major heat on Sirianni. But he was willing to take, he was willing to take it. You know, that was a bold call by Sirianni. So he deserves credit for that. He coached a good game. Um but the biggest play of the game to me, at least the one that changed the game, the game-changing play, the momentum-changing play, was Slay's interception. That was huge. That was that was a big-time play by Slay. Great read. I don't know what happened with the Miami receivers. Again, Counselville made a point that they shouldn't have been running to get as close as they were. Slay adjusted because he wasn't even covering a guy. He wasn't covering Moser on that play. But he saw that ball up in the air, and he went after it and left his guy and made a great interception, and that turned the game around. It was that play that turned this game around for the Eagles. So we call him Big Play Slay. I think most of us probably agree that we want to see more big plays out of Slay. I mean, he's getting older. He's not as good as he used to be five years ago. He's not that player anymore. But 
he made the big play. And he was beat, getting beat a lot this game. Um, you know, that big third down and long play earlier in the first half um, that led to the Dolphins' first touchdown in the game, that play was Slade getting beat. Um, but he made up for it. That was a huge interception. And then he gave a pretty decent return on it as well. But, again, the bottom line in this game, as I like to wrap up these post games within about a half hour or so, the bottom line, the defense won this game today for the Eagles. I mean, yes, A.J. Brown had a fantastic game. I mean, Brown, another incredible game. You know, fifth game in a row, by the way, of over 125 yards receiving. Tying, uh, as they mentioned on the broadcast, Calvin Johnson, Megatron, and there was another guy. I don't know when he played. I couldn't I didn't recognize the guy's name. There is there is two people that have done it. Um, Calvin Johnson and one other one other player. It wasn't anybody that was um, like a contemporary player. He was somebody from way back. Like I didn't recognize his name, but it had to be somebody who played in the I don't know forties, fifties, or sixties or something. I don't know. Anyway, the bottom line is AJ Brown has been an unstoppable force, and he was again in this game. He came up with some big plays, big time plays. Um, so. You know, Brown just continues to be an absolute beast out there. And, um, yeah, he was huge again. You know, he just made some big plays. Goddard continues to be more involved in the offense, which they have to keep doing because it opens everything up and keep, you know, you got to feed all three of them. You know, I know Brown's obviously going to be the primary number one. I mean, that is clear right now. And I wasn't. You know, one of my preseason predictions this year was that Devontae Smith was going to lead the team in um, receiving uh, yards and touchdowns, I think. I don't know if I gave him both, but I gave him at least one of the two. Uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's clearly going to be A.J. Brown in both categories. But um, but you need to keep, uh, obviously, giving Smith, who's a dynamic player in his own right, the ball, as well as Goddard. You saw the type of weapon Goddard could be. Goddard had a real big game today with some big-time catches and runs after the catch. Uh, he was great. He was great. So uh, the Eagles just need to keep doing that. Swift was awesome as well. I know he only got the ball like 15 times. It seems like that's about as many carries they're willing to give Swift because they take him out in critical situations. Again, they take him out too much in the red zone. I'd like to have him or Scott more in the red zone, but they seem to take him out then. And that's when he gets his breathers. But I don't know. I think it sets the – I still think it sets the red zone back. I know it's I know it's, set, it's setting this red zone offense back. Uh, so I, if I was the Eagles, I'd start making that change now. Um. But, yeah, great job by the defense today. This defense stepped up. You know, I didn't watch Sidney Brown as closely as I would have liked because I'm so amped up about, you know, these games and being just wrapped up in, in the moment, not really paying attention to being able to watch him. I'm going to have a rewatch on this game and, and just watch him closer and see how he did. Uh, he didn't make any impactful plays, but he also – I don't I didn't remember seeing him getting smoked any, any, any time either. So – uh, I think he his uh, you know his reviews for having his first NFL start got to be pretty good. Edmonds, on the other hand, just continues. He's a crap player. He's just not good. He's not a good tackler. He's not a good cover guy. He's just he never goes for the ball ever. Um, he's out of place a lot. I'm not impressed by him at all. I think the future of this team is Blankenship and Sidney Brown, and hopefully it's Sidney sooner or later. Well, once Reed gets back, hopefully they move him over there, and then we got 
then we got our safeties to go forward with. That's that's what I think. But we'll see. I'm not the coach. Um, Sydney's obviously still very raw, you know. Um, but that's it. Um, again, the defense won this game, and it's it's uh, it was awesome to see this defense really, you know, do what they needed to do. Uh, they probably harped on it all week, much like I talked about it on the pregame, that they would have to get to Tua. Even though he gets the ball away fast, they'd have to be disruptive on him. And they definitely were. They absolutely were. And uh, so good job by the defense. And I mean the whole defense. Um, the linebackers played well. They stuffed the run. They completely shut down the run. They, they did amazing against the run. Um, you know, wrapped, wrapped up, made the tackles. They did very, very well. Um, and so a nice collective effort by your defense. And Sean Desai. Let's give Sean Desai a ton of credit. ton of credit. I'm starting to really like him as our defensive coordinator. So the commanders are up next. All right. Um, I'm going to try to get Johnny on. <laughs> I'm only laughing because I know he had a hard weekend. Uh, there's no way because we've had Johnny on a couple times this season. And you know what his thoughts were on the Giants. And he's he thought the Giants were, well, what they are this year. He's actually right about them. But I don't think at all that he envisioned his commanders losing to them. Uh, but that's what happened today. <laughs> you know, the uh, Giants beat the commanders. Uh, and now, of course, the Eagles and commanders lock horns this coming weekend down at FedEx Field. So, um like to get Johnny on. I'll certainly put the invitation out for him to come on the show and for the pregame podcast later this week. So hopefully we will have him on for that um, as his team is looking to rebound from losing to the Giants and now have to play our Eagles. So we'll see how that all pans out, and we'll talk to you later this week. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, rate the podcast. Eagles do get a win. 31 to 17 over the Dolphins go to 6 and 1 on the season. Big win by the Birds at Lincoln Financial Field in their Kelly Greens. Up next, the Washington Commanders, and we'll talk about that later this week. Until then, take care. Fly, Eagles. Fly.